and welcome to the FT Big Deal podcast sponsored by Baker McKenzie. In this episode, we'll be discussing how the turbulence of the past 18 months has prompted corporates to reassess their strategies with a greater emphasis on core operations. This has resulted in the rise of so-called complex carve-outs, the process of separating an asset, subsidiary or line of business from its parent company, and private equity companies are playing an increasing role in these deals. I'm Satwant Panda and with me today is Janan Crozier, Chair of Baker McKenzie's Global M&A Practice Group, and David Allen, Private Equity Partner and Head of Corporate at Baker McKenzie, both based in London, here with me now, as well as Matthew Nord, Co-Lead Partner of Private Equity at leading investment management firm Apollo in New York. Hi, and thanks for joining. Just to start, carve-out deals seem to be on the rise as companies emerging from the COVID-19 pandemic look to alternative strategies to boost competitiveness, increase profits and create value for shareholders. Janan, I'm going to start with you. What influence did the pandemic have on this trend? First of all, let me say carve-outs are not a new thing and they're also, in my view, not a trend. Carve-outs were with us pre-pandemic and they are an interesting and complex way of realising value for a lot of corporates that have historically been larger conglomerates And as we went into COVID, what happened was we saw an initial slowdown of deals, but then a very quick realisation that following COVID, and as we start to come out of the COVID pandemic, there is in effect a organic growth gap. And what that has led for most corporate organisations is for them to have to really look at how they allocate their capital within their existing businesses. And as a consequence of these constraints around capital and available capital to allocate, they've really looked at um, focusing in on what is core to their business, what's core to driving their future growth and recognising their overall corporate strategy. So we're seeing corporates divest of those sorts of businesses into the market because we've got a great market now for M&A and for strategic acquisitions. And... Matthew, what influence did the pandemic have on carve-out deals? I think there was a very big difference between the financial crisis and the COVID crisis. So during the great financial crisis, while revenue fell off, companies had an opportunity to right-size their cost structures to deal with those challenges. During the COVID lockdowns, the fall-off in revenue was so dramatic, like companies hadn't seen zero revenue cases before that it really created a lot of incremental strain on these companies, both from an earnings perspective and from a balance sheet perspective. And so there was a real liquidity crunch. And then given the fiscal stimulus, companies addressed their liquidity by raising more debt to put more cash on the balance sheet, which may have solved a liquidity challenge, but it didn't address a fundamental solvency issue. So levered companies became even more levered. And I think one of the tools that companies are using to try and fix their balance sheets is corporate carve-outs. So sell assets and then pay down debt. David, we've seen real growth in private equity players. What are the driving factors behind this and what opportunities are they seizing? I think one of the issues here is that the market sometimes talks about private equity as a commodity, that all funds that do private equity do the same thing. And the reality is that they're, they're quite different. They all offer slightly different things. So, for example, 
if a corporate is spinning off a domestic business in Germany, and in order for that business to be successful, it needs to globalise, then the right private equity buyer for that business is going to be one that's got a track record for executing international M&A rather than a domestic German private equity fund. I completely agree with that comment. When I think about um, the role of private equity in these corporate carve-outs, it really is as a solution provider. So you really need, as the seller, to find the right corporate partner, the right sponsor to lock arms and make sure that this is a success for everyone involved. And I compare selling an asset to a sponsor to potentially spinning that division uh, in an IPO. I think there's much greater risk of spinning that company and then taking the risk that that company doesn't trade well. And so that's another reason why a lot of corporates prefer to sell assets to private equity firms. And Janan, to what extent has the changing regulatory landscape affected complex carve-outs? I think it's a great question. And in the sense that corporates are really looking to achieve deal certainty. And as part of a competitive process, they're really looking not just at price, because if you have the best price, but it's going to take 12 to 18 months to get through regulatory clearances on a deal, there's a time value of money aspect to this. There's a deal certainty aspect. And so in particular, private equity is often seen as a less complex route to getting to a successful closing because they often don't have the same regulatory hurdles that they need to overcome in order to secure the relevant merger control clearances. I think corporates are becoming more sophisticated and learning a little bit from private equity. So one of the things you're seeing some corporate buyers do where they know that there's going to be a regulatory problem trying to line up a private equity buyer in advance to effectively acquire those assets. So, for example, looking at a global deal where the the corporate buyer knows that there's going to be a regulatory problem in the US. So it's natural to line up, um, for example, a US private equity buyer of those assets. And then you can present a clean solution to the sell side. And Matthew, private equity firms are known for being able to complete this kind of deal very quickly. What are the risks and rewards associated with this? I think the risk is if the corporate seller takes the asset to market too quickly and is not prepared for the type of diligence that we would need to do as an investor, or if they're not really prepared for the separation of this company, or if they haven't worked on the carve-out audit. Because as an example, how does a buyer finance an asset if they don't have good financial statements. So my advice to any corporate thinking about divesting an asset is to really prepare in advance. It'll make the process much smoother once you start to engage. As a firm where we've done more than 150 complex carve-outs over the last three years, it is the key message that we give to our corporate sell-side clients, which is Preparation is absolutely key in these complex deals, more so than in any other M&A process. David, are we seeing a rise in partnerships or joint ventures coming together to take advantage of buying attractive assets that may not have necessarily happened before? I think what we're really seeing in the market today is a desire by people to really maximise the potential of an asset by exploring paths which may not necessarily be aligned. And I guess the classic example of that is where you see a private equity bidder 
teaming up with a strategic bidder and then trying to look at a deal together. Then finally, when we talk about partnerships, we shouldn't forget as well that one of the most obvious partners on a carve-out deal is the vendor itself. You know, having the vendor still in the asset for a period of time, you know, creates a lot of comfort for the buyer around alignment, around wanting to make sure that the carve-out is a success. Unlike most transactions, regular way transactions, I don't think corporate carve-outs are zero-sum. I really believe there's an opportunity to help the seller achieve their objectives and then have the sponsor or private equity firm achieve their objectives. So to David's point, we've done transactions where we've bought 100% of the business, where we've done 51, 49 JV type arrangements and basically everything in between. And so one that comes to mind was when we acquired Constellium, the carve out from Rio Tinto, Rio decided to sell the asset because it's a downstream business and they want to focus on their upstream operations. But Rio kept a 39% interest in the business after we acquired it. And so that is a situation where we did have that much more alignment and they were able to participate in the value creation that we were able to generate during our ownership. And let's look to the future of complex carve-outs. Janan, why don't you give us your view? As we continue to see shifts in the global market, whether that's a shift towards different geographies, a shift towards uh, different business lines, and in particular, this growing focus on technology, which is here to stay, we will continue to see carve-out activities drive forwards. And I think one of the key areas is sellers and buyers are much more capable now of, of realizing a corporate carve-out transaction. Complexity doesn't phase people anymore. And in fact, if you can embrace the complexity, often you can be the winner in a competitive auction. We see so many corporates where there are just excellent divisions that are not sort of best in class within their particular space. And the reason they're not best in class is that they're part of a complex organisation where they're not able to operate on an autonomous basis. And until the division is separated from that HQ mentality, it can't really achieve that best-in-class status. In our experience, we find that an incredible entrepreneurial spirit comes over these management teams uh, post the carve-out. Because as opposed to being the division within the much larger company that's not getting capital, on a standalone basis, they can really help to rebuild their corporate culture and figure out where they want to invest and where they want to grow and take the business. We also create equity plans so the employees of these corporate carve-outs, these new standalone businesses, share in the value creation. And that's also um, you know, very um, powerful to management and the employees to drive performance going forward. David, Janan and Matthew, thank you very much for your insight. To our listeners, you can listen to other episodes in the series at bigdeal.ft.com.